Ask the GM's Podcast, Episode 13, The Alien RPG, or How I Stopped Learning to Worry and Gave Into My Corporate Overlords. This is Zach from Ask the GM's Podcast. I've been a game master and board gamer for years, and I want to just share some fun experiences with you. Passing it on to RC. Hey, everybody. It's RC. Uh, You've heard the story a hundred times. Praise the alien gods. yeah, I've I've had a good time with the system. What little we've played of it, and uh, there's been some weird stories. So I'll go ahead and pass it off to Pat. Welcome back, Pat. Hey everybody, I'm back. I'm here to bring that level of unprofessionalism we're all uh, expecting from me. So yay! And uh, yeah, we have some fun stories with this one, and uh, we'll share some more later with you. And Brian, this is your resident corporate overlord, Brian. Um, I also enjoy the, um, overall, um, alien landscape. Um, so yeah, happy to be here. And, uh, also want to shout out our hopefully soon to be sponsor, Cape Fear Games and or Sideboard. Uh, awesome place filled with great people, ready to help and, uh, happy to teach as well. And yeah. Thanks for having us. Thank you, corporate overlord Brian. Pat, would you like to cover the setting and somewhat theme of Ridley Scott's Alien and the Alien RPG? Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so if you're not familiar, um, we'll, we'll go into it. Um, the year is 2183, little more than three years since the destruction of the Hadley's Hope colony on LB-426. The disappearance of the USS Silaco and the closing of the prison and leadworks on Fiorina 161. The loss of the Silaco's colonial marine unit, along with these Wayland Yutani sponsored outposts, and the implications of corporate foul play from these incidents have created an air of distrust between the company and the United Americas. To add fuel to the fire, conflicts between the rival sectors of space have increased exponentially in the past five years. While unconfirmed, many believe that Hadley's Hope was a test site for one of Wayland yutanis bioweapons, and that an enemy, sorry, my screen blacked out, <laughs> super professional, that, uh, that an enemy state sent a warship to nuke it from orbit. Others believe that the company is working with a rogue nation to assume control of the colonies on the frontier. The 2180s are a dangerous time to be alive. And uh, for those of you that are familiar with the movies, I believe this time period for our setting in the Sailing RPG is after the first three movies uh, of the original, I guess, Aliens movies. And... um, for anybody that has never seen an Aliens movie or doesn't know anything about Ridley Scott, these are about those black xenomorph bug guys that have acid bloods and little mouth that shoot out of their mouth. And they have face huggers that plant alien babies that pop out of your chest called chest bursters. And uh, yeah, it's a real fun time. Bad time for humans, but a uh, real fun time for them. You guys got anything else you want to add to the setting? Other than thank God for HR Geiger. Um, I know that um, if you go to a CD casino in Las Vegas across from the stratosphere, you can play an aliens-themed slot machine where you get an alien egg bonus. And if you're lucky enough, 
you can um, space a xenomorph, which is pretty dope. And if we go to space balls, um, what was the the dinner special where you can get a chest burster that will sing a song and dance for you? It was either the soup or just the diner special. Yeah, the diner special. All right. So, uh, Zach, do you want to take us into the book layout and ribbon marks? Well, just for one second, and I have a couple more things on theme. Oh, one, notably, uh, the last Alien movie with uh, Ron Perlman is not in the list. Resurrection was not part of the RPG. Seems that the uh, designers or just Fox or whoever is like, no, we're not going to count that one. So that's been kind of like decanonized. Oh, okay. Okay. That's just a, for those who've seen a lot of the movies. In terms of book layout, uh, the book does come with a ribbon bookmark, which I'm of the opinion that if you're getting a modern RPG book and you're spending more than $40, you should probably get a free ribbon bookmark in your book. It makes marking your page quite easy. Uh, I like the fact that, you know, they tried to have like a big black interior. I just find like if you're ever going to make a, a photocopy, that's horrible, especially if you're going to get a photocopy of the character sheets in the back and the layout is kind of weird. There's a lot of spacing. RC, you want to follow up on that? Yeah. So I, I believe we spoke about it before that it looks like there was an issue between, it may have been a production issue that the spacing's so weird, but there's, there's a lot of art in the book, which is like, it's, it's cool. It's a plus, but the fact that there's whole pages of just art or one little snippet of, nothing essentially it's a, a paragraph of nothing to do with how the game actually works or how to play it it's, it's like something strictly thematic in the middle of a rules section um and it there's weird margins for all of the pages too like some of the pages have easily an inch margin into a book that's not a standard size like it would in comparison to like the D books or the pathfinder books this book's a little bit on the shorter side and the font sizes are much larger in the book um and it it just looks like there was some weird layout issue that just didn't get fixed in pre-production yeah either that or they tried to move stuff in the pdf and it edited weird or it just came from swedish to english and it didn't line up well uh the one image i'm looking right now is from the talents page and it talks about talents and it literally, like, there's an entire paragraph there in the little box that you could, you could fit two other paragraphs. And it just trails, like, from one column to the other. Where, like, you could have fit that in one line. I don't know why it's spaced like that. And the whole book is like that. It becomes very distracting to read. On the plus notes, the book is very pretty. The fonts are larger, which is nice for a lot of the, the aging gamers that don't quite have the eyesight anymore. <laughs> and I was going to bring that up. And as far as the rules go, I mean, just the system itself is simple. It's easy to understand. You're all in D6s, you're looking for sixes. However, that's probably a good segue into some of our issues with it. Yep. Speaking of which, the system is a D6 system. You're only going to be using D6s, no other dice. Uh, if you get this starter set, it comes with a set of stress dice and the official dice. Uh, I'm a big fan of the starter set in terms of the fact that if you buy those dice individually, you're almost paying the same price as the starter set, so you might as well just buy the starter set. Like, you're actually saving money getting it. And the starter set has a lot of good components, and it's a very good module. Like, I have no negatives there. Um, it's a D6 system where, for your normal dice, you're only looking for sixes. 
and you're going to add your stats and skills. Like, so you get like a 13 because you have like a high stat and a high skill. You're going to roll that many D6s and you're only looking for six. Only sixes. Uh, who wants to cover some of the issues with that? Um, I'm going to take a stab at something real quick, just as a refresher to me and to uh, any of our listeners. Now, was it, do ones cancel out sixes in the system, Zach? Ones do not. If you happen to roll stress dice and roll ones, they can have a negative effect, but only on the stress dice. If it's your normal dice, only sixes matter, and that's it. So stress dice care about ones. Okay. Um, and the other thing is, are we just hunting for one six within our roll to make it successful, or do multiple sixes add like varying degrees of success? Like so average- or uh, I was going to say, for instance, say like, you know, I have to roll six sixes. Same, same androids trying to tear open a, a a metal door that's closing on us, and you know, I roll, I don't know, six sixes. Would you, you know, as the DM, be like, yeah, you rip that door straight in half? Or, so after after the first success, like, so if you only roll one, you pass. Every two you roll, you can basically do like what's called like a feat, not a feat. Uh, what is it called? It's something a maneuver. Cool. You can do a maneuver. So, but some of them are like really wide ranges. Like one of them's like, "Hey, you never have to make that check ever again." I'm like, "That's kind of crazy." Yeah. Or like if okay. it's a, if, or if it's in combat, you can just use those additional successes to to provide additional damage. Okay. Okay. Yeah. If you don't mind me interjecting real quick, that like not having to make that check ever again, at least for the games that we have, wouldn't be the biggest deal in the world because they're very short. Yeah, all all of ours, I believe that we played were one shot scenarios. Um, but also going further into the D system, RC and I had just uh, a fantastic time. RC, do you want to regale them with the story, or would you like me to take it over? The the Fourth of July that wasn't the Fourth of July instead yeah. of an oil refinery. Yeah. All right. So I'll I'll paint I'll paint the picture for our listeners. So um, RC, um, one of our Gregs and myself, we were they were Colonial Marines. I was an Android. That I, I believe I was also a Marine. Um, the, my Android was called Charlie Chaplin because I had a a little Charlie Chaplin mustache, but I was more of a medical droid. Anyways, so we go to this oil refinery where there are these um, Russian rebels, you know, shacked up in. And, you know, it's an oil refinery, so it's awful explosive. And we get into uh, a big kerfuffle with these Russian space rebels. And RC begins to start hucking grenades like a madman. Uh, our our other character with us, he was a captain, and his special ability was to f- give somebody an extra action. So RC was hucking grenades like double time. And about after eight grenades of nothingness and the oil refinery not blowing up from all this chaos, uh, I get downed. And uh, RC, what else can you tell us about that scenario? Well, I believe that I've lobbed three more missiles before we finally got rid of the commie menace. Um, and then, so the character that I had was a heavy weapons expert, and again, this is going to be something that comes up, I'm sure, in the conversation here shortly, that sometimes you roll a lot of dice, 
And as the heavy weapons expert, I ended up rolling like 14 D6s whenever I used the heavy gun on a vehicle. We were in one of those rolly wheel tanks and we were going to break into the commie strong, the, the commie rebel stronghold. And, uh, yeah, roll 16 dice, RC, for your minigun. One success. What one success? The dice were not in our favor that evening. And then my, uh, my android pops out of our uh, tank, and I had recovered at this point, and I shoot a missile and, like, kill four dudes, and then we cue the Terminator music, like, boom, 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 boom. Um, so that was fun, but th- these D6 can be fickle, but, I mean, I guess that's applicable to any dice dice game. Well, I do think part of it's interesting, like, a lot of uh, different character roles in terms of, like, your class or your career kind of let you take stress to re-roll dice, but that's the only mitigation. You only get a re-roll. You don't get a, like, like flip a one to a six or a two to a four. Like, only sixes matter, so if you just roll a storm of dice and get nothing, you just get nothing. Now, I will say, though, um, the whole concept of stress, uh, both, both iterations of uh, the games we played, I was playing an Android, so my... The Androids, they don't get stressed but your base stats are better than, you know, the baseline humans pretty much all the way around, uh, except for maybe, like, social interaction skill or something like that. But um, whenever I first heard about stress dice, I was like, these don't sound good at all. But in all actuality, you 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 need to ride that line of, like, a little bit stress, but not too crazily stressed, because you need those extra dice that the stress pool gives you to... Uh, to be effective. Do you, do you think that sounds right there, Zach? Yeah, if you're playing a human character, you want the stress because sometimes you need that edge to help you succeed or like live in the moment. Brian, what do you think about the D6 system? Um, I think for it being D6s, the amount of actual 6s that are rolled um, is kind of low. Even like RC had, what, 14 and got 1. So... You know, if you're cursed like RC, it doesn't matter how high your dice go or how low the dice go. Um, I I think, you know, if you're playing with enough people, hopefully everybody brings a couple because you're going to need them. Yep, and that's a good point. Uh, Another point I have, I kind of hold this as a negative, is there's a couple tables in the book, but they're D66, so you have to roll a 6 for the tens place and another 6 for all the other places. I think that's just the designer being like, no, it has to be only D6s. I think a D10 or a D100 table would have been much better. Because one, with a D66 table, you're not getting all the numbers. RC, what do you think about that? Um, I, this is maybe a personal thing, because like I found more Korg before I started playing the Alien RPG with you guys. I'm fine with the D66 system. doesn't bother me at all. The D sixty eight system in there too for generating characters. So I'm used to weird dice systems. Anyone have anything else on dice? Um, I think it's a unique system. I I don't think I love and or hate it. Uh, uh the funny thought I had whenever you're like, oh, just introduce a D hundred. I'm over here like, yeah, introduce a whole better dice system. <laughs> well, for me, it's like just for the table. I'm like, just roll on a D one hundred. Don't don't roll no random D66. Because I used to play more time a long, long time ago. 
and that had a weird table, but it was still out of like a hundred. You'd still roll d sixes for it, but it was still generated out of a hundred numbers. I like the um, the actual alien dice that have the face huggers on the one, right? Yep, on yeah. the ones. Yeah, on the ones, and then the sixes are just like bullseyes, right? If I remember correctly, they're like little shiny symbols or bullseye. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. You know, adding adding to the. Um, dread if you will of rolling a one now i i do say zach whenever i was remembering the damage for the grenades weren't wasn't the damage based off of the sixes like say you know rc had to roll 14 d6s and every six is say two damage was that how it worked if i'm remembering correctly yeah so the grenades like modify your skill so they give you additional dice as part of the roll and then it's based on the number of successes, how much damage they do, which is why you guys are in that refinery forever. Because it'd be like 17 dice, one success. Like, that doesn't kill a dude. I'm sorry. I, I guess in the theater of the mind, they were duds or had to be close to it. <laughs> They're concussion grenades. Yeah, yeah. They were just there for but in hindsight, if they did all blow up catastrophically, like we all might have died anyways. So maybe somebody was looking out for us. Who knows? Now, we've played a lot of the uh, pre-made scenarios. There's one in the book, and then there's one in the starter set, and then there's a couple of follow-up sets. They're not really starter sets, but they're like adventure sets. They're real nice. They come with uh, very nice character sheets, reference cards of all the NPCs, all the equipment. What do you guys think of those? Um, the, so those modules that we were playing, first off, I want to thank the creators of them for those maps, especially, um, when we were colonial Marines and we had the whole map of the entire colony on the table. Yeah. And that's so the, that's destroyers of worlds. Oh man, that was fantastic because it gave us that, and I believe it had a breakdown of smaller maps of like the individual places we were going. So there was never a question of like, oh, what's the setup like this? I don't know. I love that fact, and it gave us, um, you know, whenever you have player aids like that, it gives the players more control, and the DM has, you know, uh, I, I believe an easier time. So uh, that was a particularly great one. And I, I did love the pre made character sheets. Um, fun fact, the good thing to do is read your character sheet before you talk about it. In our, uh, first, first game I played, I was playing an Android and, uh, people weren't supposed to know it. And there I am just blathering like, Oh, cool. I'm an Android. <laughs> so yeah, reading the character sheets help. Um, I also enjoyed the, the pre-made characters and, um, the back you, know, you get a, a backstory. You get kind of like a nemesis or somebody you don't get along with. Um, I also thoroughly enjoyed the as being the corporate overlord. Basically, you know, is like just just help out the crew and do this stuff. You know, make the crew trust you, which I actually think I did um, in our playthrough. So that's that's a positive. Um, and if we played again, you know, I'd hope to try another character, whether it be an android or just a straight-up marine. Either way, I thought it was dope. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. Every time that we've done the little pre-mades, it's 
really cool to get a character that already fits in with the group of people that's there. You know who your friend is. I, I think both times I've ended up with a connection, at least to one of the other players in the group. Um, I know that in the Colonial Marine one that we were doing, um, my character had had a surgery done on their back that uh, Pat's character had done and botched it and was like ready to retire, was pretty much on the out and just didn't give a shit. They were like, your entire goal is to survive and make it to retirement. You only have to make it two more days. And I was like, okay, cool. That's my goal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Or go ahead. One of my favorites is one of the NPCs who's dead is like, you can like, if you flip it over, like, why are you reading this? It's dead. What is he doing? Pushing up the daisies. It's all these like jokes about like corpses on the back. Yeah. I thought, I'm going to reiterate what Brian was talking about, how everybody has their own secret agenda. And that was super fun because, you know, my character was like, Hey, uh, you're supposed to make sure that anyone that has seen this or spoiler alert, Anybody that has seen a xenomorph is gonna have to be killed by you. But you know, I I was BSing all sort of um, uh, medical oaths and stuff like that. And uh, one of our Gregs is separate from me, and I see a guy that had witnessed a xenomorph and he's running away. And I straight up like Kalimod ripped his heart out of his chest in an alleyway and like hit his corpse and then walked back up to the group like nothing happened. That was a fun moment for me. And uh, see, do you remember that guy? Uh, I think this character was a kind of a lemon of a pre-made. Didn't he have like his thing? Was he had a super lucky belt, and that that was the shtick? The sheet even <laughs> the sheet even says like, "Look at the belt." And then, and uh, I think there was another like antidote on his character that said something about he would beat people with the belt too. <laughs> yeah, I remember it just, we were kind of guffawed about how ridiculous this was he's seen like two tours with this belt it's saved his life so on and so forth and we're just like this is ridiculous nobody played that oh although if we revisited it, i might would play that guy just to just to be kooky about my belt i think that if we had been gregless i think having somebody play the belt guy would have been fucking hysterical <laughs> If I was playing with Belt Guy, I would just keep saying, No, Daddy, no! No, Daddy, no! Wow, you just, you delved deep there, Brian. I think you called back that character's history. Hey, so, Brian, hey, can you tell me, you tell me about this? I'm guessing you're a Waylon Utani corporate exec. Like, how was that? Yeah, I was basically HR. That's that's how it, um, that's how it read to me. I don't think that was the actual title, but yeah, corporate exec. And, um, yeah, I think my main objective was to get everybody off of our ship, um, which was originally tran- like transporting fuel um, onto, we found a ship that had been gone for like 80 years, um, which of course is infested. Uh, and, and my main objective in the first act is to get everybody onto that ship. Um, which is fortunate because not long after we get onto that ship, our ship blows up because whoa, mother... whoa, 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 whoa! Mother was just looking out for you. Yes, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, and then I, I think in my my second act, my I was supposed to just get that ship back to Earth, I believe. Um, 
you know, at any at, by any means necessary, basically. Um, and uh, ultimately, my my character definitely was trying to get the trust of the crew, and that that actually ended up uh, doing me in because we I was I wanted to restore comms, so I like go out on the hull. You know, I'm spacewalking on the ship to go and like fix the stuff, and I fix the stuff, and then there's some kind of tech zombie thing that um, didn't die, and it killed me. So that was the end for me. You were in eighteen million out repairing this ship, Brian. Well, it sounds like a fun time for sure. Um, yeah, uh, Zach, do you want to go ahead and we'll start talking about the stress system? I just wanted to cover up uh, with the. Uh, custom story moments, i.e. each character's personal objective. I'm a big fan of those. And part of the system we haven't super focused on is the the system rewards story points to the player. You can only have like three of them, but basically you can basically turn in a story point to get like a free success. And what's nice about it is if you keep on playing like one shots, the character, it's like the player keeps it. It doesn't matter if your character died. You keep the story point and it's a reward for good role play. That is pretty nifty. Yeah, I've, I've thought about using it in other systems. I think it's a cool system. Just, hey, we're just going to reward good role play for the, like a free success every once in a while. Yeah. Um, and something I will, because we we were just talking about our uh, pre, pre-generated characters from these modules. Um, and what, what I say in this is, stands for, I guess, any pre-generated characters in any tabletop RPG. I believe it's a fun thing to do because you can get a character that is not something you would normally like think in your mind. For instance, like say, I don't know, you're an edge ward kind of guy and, but you know, you end up getting a character that's supposed to be a humble bumble. You know, I think it's good for growth for us as um, RPG players to try something different. That's out of your wheelhouse because uh, the role I was in before was more of, you know, being an android. I was being a, a servant and kind of had to take orders from somebody else. So that was just very different from what I was used to, but it, it turned out to be a fantastic time. Going deeper in the stress system, I think it's a very interesting system. The fact that similar to Call of Cthulhu, eventually stuff starts weighing on you. And in this system, you just start getting more dice, which means you're technically more likely to succeed in some instances. But you also start getting dice that can roll ones and fail you or help build more stress. And the fact that it reacts in different ways, like you can freak out, you can do game over, man. If you're firing a a firearm, if you roll a stress die of a one, you basically unload the whole weapon. Oh, boy. What what was that one? Um, Not before unloading the gun, but you said... uh... What were those different bonuses again? So you, you just get to roll an additional die for every stress you have. It's just if you roll a one on the stress dice, it's bad. Oh, okay. okay. Um, and just reiterating earlier, I I think with... I, I didn't um, interact much with stress, but from my point of view, that whole writing that line, like you, you, need, you need some of it. You really do to get, get yourself off the ground, but... I think whenever you get super overloaded with stress is whenever it gets real bad. I also like how they use stress dice in other locations. They'll use it for your consumables. So we're talking, you know, food, water, and air. 
And when you have to make a consumable check or or anything with the battery, you have to roll stress dice equal to the, whatever you're rolling against. And every one is like you have one less use of that thing. So you either have that much less air or that flashlight has that much less battery. I think it's very oh. interesting because you play a lot of other systems and it's it's so just in terms of just like bookkeeping. How many rashes do we have? Five rashes. Okay, four rashes. <laughs> I have a question. What was ways to mitigate um, stress? Because I, I vaguely remember, did somebody have to like smoke cigarettes to uh, lower their stress? Yeah, uh, there's a couple uh, careers that give like a bonus. You can talk people down to give them stress. You can just take a quiet moment to take some stress. The system kind of works in what's basically described as like either like rounds, like you're in combat, and then it like degrades from that into like you know, hey, it's like a shift or half a shift. So if you take like a good ten or fifteen minutes of like doing nothing, your stress level slowly goes down. Okay, so it's an alternative uh, resource, kind of in lieu. Yeah, because if it gets high enough, eventually you just become catatonic or become broken. What did you guys think of the equipment cards? I liked being able to dole them out as the corporate overlord. That was fun. I remember um, we had you were uh, giving us vehicle cards. And uh, different guns. So, I mean, was that all part of the starter starter set, Zach? No, that's in the Destroyer of Worlds box for the Marines. Okay. So, again, I guess Destroyer of Worlds set is my favorite alien set I've seen thus far. So that was pretty fun. I, I remember, I don't know, me and myself, I think I only had a stun gun. So I think I just wrote that down. But seeing our, seeing our different vehicles was really cool. They're real good reference cards. Uh, I really want to run back through that one again just to see if we can finish it off because I wasn't sure how far we actually got into it. Uh, we only got to like the first act in that one. How many so acts were in it? Three, and it ramps up pretty hard. The one you did, uh, Brian, you guys got through all three acts, but that like last act was real fast. Well, yeah, the ship blew up. So, <laughs> Okay, we're going to just move into some of the modules we've played. I'm going to start with Pat. We did Hope's Last Day. It's literally the last couple hours of Hadley's Hope, which is the planet in Alien and the colony in Aliens. Uh, what did you think about that? Well, aside from me revealing my big reveal right out the gate, um, I had fun with it. It was a whole closed um, satellite space station. Uh, so we had it all laid out in front of us, all the different levels and whatnot. Um, I vaguely remember tearing open like an airlocking door as my uh, android. And I remember racking back a shotgun and shooting some aliens. So I had a fun time. Uh, and I believe at the, uh, at the end of it, we were trying to get to a shuttle. And then, you know, my whole thing was to keep an egg for my secret character thing I had to do. And so I was like, oh, Okay, well, it'll be real convenient if the rest of these players die and I just fly off in the shuttle with an egg. So that was a fun climax to it for me. I also think if you're going to include an adventure in a starter set, that's the one thing everyone kind of wants to play is everyone loves the movie Aliens and having something at Hadley's Hope is pretty close to just fulfilling Colonial Marines. Yeah, you're really just playing the movie, essentially, which is fun. And then everyone in here has done uh, Charity of the Gods. 
you all wake up on basically a ship that's very similar to the Nostromo. You're like, hey, we're just space truckers. Hey, look, there's another spaceship. Let's see what's going on. Let's not wreck into it. And then there's some exploration. And then, as we mentioned earlier, hey, you're, you're, the ship you came in and randomly blew itself up. Yep. Yep, that was cool. Um, I I enjoyed it. The the overall story, like once you get over onto the ship and you, you know, kind of go and try to get the computers back on, you end up going to life support. And there's people in there and wake them up, and one immediately the head explodes. So that was that was cool. I do think one important thing that's uh, mentioned in some of the reviews, if you guys look at reviews of other locations is how much content is in these sets. Like, there's only a handful of mandatory things, and they give you, like, hours and hours and hours of optional encounters and events to the point where, like, people are like, no, that definitely took us, like, 20 or 30 hours. Well, I guess uh, having it to reference to and crunch on if you want to crunch on is good, but, you know, you can cut it if you don't. Yep. Yep, pick and choose. And then the other follow-up, uh, you guys, some of you guys did uh, Destroyer of Worlds. That's the Marines one where you're all playing Colonial Marines. Uh, you're basically, your colonel comes down and says, like, you got to get these AWOL Marines. And you guys start going to, like, this cool bar with some rebels. And then you're looking for everyone. I believe you guys go to the uh, the sheriff's office and then the, uh, the cells is an alien. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um... I or of of the two games I've played, this one was my favorite. I believe because the second movie was my favorite, and I really wanted to see a marine with um, what is that? The piece where it was um had their machine gun with the the artificial arm coming off their belt. The smart I don't gun. think anyone on the smart gun. Did anyone in our group have a smart gun? I don't believe so. I don't think so. I don't think anyone took it, that it role. It would have been RC if anybody. That's yeah. Sure. Yeah, um, good. but that being said, I'm sure maybe one would have come up and, uh, you know, I mean, I, I like Pulp Cthulhu, so I like a little bit more action forward, but the whole investigation part of it where I, I believe, um, it came with mug shots of these different Marines. Um, it came, you know, name, age, height, uh, and I think it, you know, talked about, you know, the mental mental status of these Marines or kind of a short little profile whenever we're out and hunting for them in the city and we're trying to follow leads up. So that was super, super well made with the set that it came with. And uh, it was just fun to do cruising around the city looking for trouble, essentially. I love it. I also have, we haven't ran it, but it's... uh... The third one where basically you're all scientists on this uh, space station that's basically hovering over a black hole and they're doing, you know, weird biological experiments where where nothing can possibly go wrong. Now, I I pose this question to the group as far as an overview of like the Aliens RPG. Do you think all the encounters will be like, oh, no, what's happening? Oh, my God, it's an alien holy crap, we got to either run or deal with it. Like, is that the majority of what this RPG is capable of, or do we think that there's more beyond it? Uh, so, 
So there are rules for campaign play and you can actually do like wider stories and like get points to level up and use more story points more often. I don't think it's a hundred percent fleshed out though. I, I think it's there. Like I think a good game master can run that. It's just the book has a lot of weird uh, oversights. Like they'll tell you what, what, how much equipment costs, like, like how much your mother and your ship costs or how much your gun costs, but they won't tell you what, like what a job pays. So there's no, no like scale of like this random just shipping job for space truckers pays XXX and they get so many shares. Like they don't give you that information. So it's like, you have no basis to know what, like, do we get paid a lot of money? Do we not get paid a lot of money? So what you're saying is it's not geared towards like longevity towards a campaign. It kind of leans into the whole, one-shot scenarios. What I'm saying is there are rules for playing a longer campaign, but it has like a lot of weird oversights. Oh, I got you. Uh, Following on that, also the the Marine book where it's just focused on you being a colonial Marine and gives you more character options for making Marines. But the book has a lot of weird oversights there too. They said like, hey, rank doesn't matter. I'm like, no, man. If you're in the Marines, your rank matters a lot. You can't tell a colonel to go... You know, stuff themselves. You know, I mean, something, you something I would like to see within the whole aliens realm. I don't, uh, I don't know how well read up anybody is on the lore, and honestly, I haven't read many of the books. But a friend of mine's told me a lot. There is, um, there is this war between a, uh, a hive of like, you know, the black aliens that we're familiar with, and a red hive, and um, the the Marines or mankind at this time obviously know about the Xenomorphs and they've been making a super soldier serum out of like synthesized venom from the Queens, I believe. And so in this book, you know, they drop in a bunch of roided out Marines to uh, either oversee this fight between the red queen and black queen or get 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 the goods and get the hell out of there kind of deal. So that that's that's where I would love to do a campaign within this setting. I think that would be super fun. So what you're telling me is um, the symbiotes really aren't just ooze; they're xenomorphs. Sure. <laughs> Red and black. That's what I think of. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying you can't do a campaign. It's just there's a lot of weird things where I have questions and the book doesn't cover it. And like, they're very basic questions. Another one is in the Marine book. They give you all these new ships for like the, the knockoff Soviets, the space Russians that aren't part of like the colonial Marines. They'll give you all these ships, but they won't give you a deck plan. So you have no idea what that looks like on the inside, which you're playing a game about space travel and like exploring like wrecked or abandoned spaceships the deck plans the most important part it'll give you an image of what it looks like on the outside it's like i don't care what it looks like use your imagination zach the inside of a russian ship is the baba yaga's house there you go sure chicken legs (laughs) chicken legs on a spaceship It's, it's one room with a kitchen yep and everything else that's just like armor plating and um, they run on vodka. I mean, the army, the spaceship, why not everything? Yeah, that's perfect. In fact, that's not a water-cooled machine gun. It's a vodka-cooled machine gun. 
thinking thinking of my my corporate experience um doing a team building exercise at one point they were like tossing around a potato and you had to say your favorite thing that was made out of potatoes and um i knew what mine was right away um you know but i was like seventh in line and it finally got to me and i just said vodka and uh the trainer was like i like you and um yeah that was that was about it that was it's my favorite potato vodka that is a good one that is a good one not really it i don't like vodka but what liar does anyone have any follow-ups on the alien rpg I would, I um, I would definitely like to visit that module. Me and RC was playing. What was the name of it again? Destroyer of Worlds. Destroyer of Worlds. I wonder if that's foreshadowing to the world we were on. Anyways, <laughs> but yeah, we definitely need to revisit that. And you know, should we fall in love with the system even more from that point? You know, maybe we could do some homebrew something. Just just leaning into the homebrew in the far-flung future that they do it, uh, running a session in the Fall of Earth would be pretty dope, because that's the thing that happens in the Aliens franchise for anybody that didn't know. Tell us about that, RC. What is this Fall of Earth? I mean, I'm sure it sounds like what it seems, but... Oh boy, the Xenomorphs get to Earth. It's bad. <laughs> oh boy. Everybody tries to run. Some of the ships have infected people on them. It's bad. <laughs> yeah, it's, a lot of that just depends on like what era in the history you pick. And I finally remembered it was Royal Jelly. That was what the Marines were taking to get yeah. all super Royal soldiered Jelly, out. Yeah. But I think uh, there was a side effect. It would make them like go batshit crazy or rage monsters. So. Yeah, it's it's talked about in the Mar- in the expanded Marine book. And technically, it's mentioned in Destroyer of Worlds too for the Game Mother. By the way, that's what your game master's called in Aliens. You're the game mother. Oh, you were our mother, Zach? In terms of computer, not in terms of I'm your mom. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Yeah. Just got uh, awkward. <laughs> I'm here to tell you that your crew is expendable. And by the, the crew, I mean you. Um, well, unless you're a uh, corporate exec, then, then you're less expendable? That depends on which corporation. Right. Um, True. It also depends on if you have life insurance or not. <laughs> it also depends on the department. I, I'm pretty sure they're not holding on to HR real hard there, Brian. Oh, well, yeah, I, I agree. And again, I was not uh, HR, but that's that's basically what it sounded like to me. Um, oh. That's how I that's how I interpreted it. Um, but definitely was not HR. I will say another part of it is it is hilarious watching someone with like 11 dice fail, and someone just with two in that skill come and roll and succeed. Ha ha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, uh, they can be fickle, but for some reason they were extra fickle in Aliens. I don't know why. Zach, we just need Tim to play with us, and he'll just roll sixes for days. That's the player I was referring to that only had to roll two dice and roll a six. It was Tim. Yeah, that's a Tim move. I guess it's just me getting like 40k flashbacks. Like I can't, I, I, I can only roll twos. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. All right. Well, Zach, do we have any um, outgoing messages or talks about the podcast for next week? Well, next week I think we're going to talk about another space game. I believe it's called Twilight Imperium Fourth Edition. Oh, boy. I'm super excited. 
That could be the space board game. Yeah. And RC can tell us all about dinosaurs and Brian can, or space dinosaurs. And Brian can tell us all about how being a space pigeon is. Um, wow. That, that, wow. Okay. I think you just spoke down about your people. But about, about to vote first against Pat every time out of principle. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're all my people because I'm the emperor. But you could pay me to, to eat him instead. I mean, I, I'll do that on general principle. You <laughs> oh, can't sit near RC or Brian because the birds will come and shit on my house and the uh, dinosaurs will help. You're, you're going to get a brand new cruiser. It's going to be shiny out in the driveway. And I'm just going to send all my birds and it's just going to be covered in feces. You're oh, boy. Wash it. Space feces. The worst kind. So what it's we're like saying is... What we're saying is Pat just needs to play white. He's like, gotcha, birds, figured it out. Or um, play Ghost Ghost of Creus and just be like, yeah, I live in the void now. You can't shit on my car. <laughs> also, you'll be playing Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift across the entire board. Yeah, <laughs> that's about right. Or you can, play, you can be playing the bugs and be sad you can't throw uh, asteroids at people. Yeah. Off of Clindathu. But that's a whole other space thing right there. Man, they totally should be able to shoot asteroids at people. That, that's lame. Well, they, they, get, they gave those bugs death to, next to nothing in the game. At least let them throw in a meteor or two. Yeah. You got ships next to an asteroid belt? Well, man, that sucks for whoever's on the other side of it. Now, if we're translating fluff, would that be like the PDS for those... Um, I mean, that's basically yes. what those bugs were. Yes. So you're you're saying it's a pan, a, a planetary defense system, and by defense, it's just like like destroying another planet. It also uh, it also counts as a as a uh, an upgraded trooper, whatever it's there too. That's oh, no it's, moon. It's it's a trooper with sustained damage. What? <laughs> what? Wait, what I miss? <laughs> No, no, no. If if the bug's PDS was a troop, was also considered an infantry and had sustained damage. Oh man, God, that'd be a hell of a PDS. I thought that their mechs gave them like another plus one on ground combat or something stupid. Um. So I, I was listening to a Sardek Nor overview. Um. One thing their flagship does is add an additional plus one. Yeah, that, that, that I knew. So it's a plus one mm-hmm. and then a, a second plus one. And they have a special dreadnought that it's one of those dreadnoughts like the Lizix who ignore direct fire cards for um, flipping over. And I well, think that's all, all the special ones they got. I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about next week for one of our favorite space games, Twilight Imperium. I want to thank our listeners for joining us and I hope you have a great time and let us know how you're enjoying the episode and everyone have a good evening.